the fire, merry meet, dare to more than dabble. All are welcome at our hearth for a little bonfire babble. Bonfire babble. Want to do a quick content warning for vegetarians and vegans and people who are not familiar with ethical farming practices. Around the 11 point mark until about the 17th. Very humane and respectful talk about farm animals and their transition at this time of year. And now a special treat. A Maben Autumnal Equinox poem written by Corey Lynn Atencio. That's me. The halfway point between day and night, light and darkness share the sky. When colors change and paint the land, they signal summer's final sigh. Magic on the wind like leaves, suffuses all the air, and sweetness follows on the breeze, a bounty we can share. But though the days are growing short and daylight fades away, we shall not fear the shadows dark or what they have to say. Together, we can gather close, a fire in the hearth, to celebrate this Maven Day, the magic of the earth. Nice job, Corey. Thanks. I wrote <laughs> it's <that>. beautiful. <laughs> you did write that, and it's beautiful. Hey. Happy Maven, everybody. Happy Maven, Maban. Happy Equinox. Happy Autumnal Equinox. Yeah, that's what I call it. Happy Halfway Day. <laughs> yeah, but I know a lot of your Wiccans out there, so it's yes. everybody's holiday. Yeah, change of the season. Love those big cosmic events. And now we have a very special guest for you. So we will start the regular programming as scheduled. <laughs> Welcome to the bonfire. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm Detta. And we have a very special guest in the studio. And I'm way too excited and I'm trying really hard to calm down. She's so excited. Why don't you take it away, Detta? Hey, everybody. Meet Runa Troy. I would say I'm fangirling out, but I actually know her and get to spend time with her. But I'm still, for those of us who are dreaming of moving to the country and living in a cottage next to the forest, Runa is living the dream. I am so freaking excited for you all to meet her. We are going to talk about her life journey as a witch, her origin story, like we always do here on the show. And then we're going to get to some really exciting Maben and autumnal equinox, the changing of the season chat, which Runa has been writing about recently on her blog post, and it's just going to make you hungry. It's going to make you very hungry. Runa is a longtime solitary witch. She's been practicing the craft for more than 40 years. She's explored just about every aspect of it to some degree, like many witches, and held on to that which brought her to her truest self and her best life. Primarily, you'll find her doing word magic, writing, rune casting, hedge writing, dream interpretation, herbalism, and lots of kitchen witchery, which is so perfect for the fact that we're doing Mabon Autumnal Equinox today. Just one of the many reasons we invited her. Welcome, Runa. We are so happy to have you on the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. You are just too kind. Thank you. 
I know some people are following you on Instagram that listen. And if you're not listeners following Runa on Instagram, you really need to be following. The site is amazing. Her recipes are amazing. Watching you farm is amazing. I saw the video you posted of cutting that sandwich in half and I was like in the middle of actually physically eating an egg sandwich and all I could think was, I want that one. (laughs) (laughs) I want that egg sandwich. I'm sure down the road somewhere, I experienced something similar that made me go, you know, I want to look more closely at food and the magic of food. And you do it really well. Yes. So, Runa, can you tell us a little bit about your origin story, how you got into witchcraft, all that good jazz, what your main focus of witchcraft is, or are you eclectic? Sure. Yeah. Um, Origin story makes me feel so superhero. You are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I experienced what I have come to know from other witches, kind of this epiphany blossoming, plant seeding, you pick the metaphor, around the time I was 13, 14. And I grew up in a very conservative Christian household. One of my great grandmothers, though, I can't prove it, but I know she was a witch because she got me interested in nature and plants and all of that. And and I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with her, but the time that I did spend was pretty magical. And I just started having questions. Back then, 40 years ago, plus, you had to really reach, uh, research, look, search everywhere to talk to other people who were asking the same kind of questions, you know, spending afternoon, Saturday afternoons in the occult bookshop that, you know, nobody knew of, but me or so I thought. (laughs) (laughs) It's always so nice when you find out there are other people out there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so it just started from there. You know, I had questions, the church. I remember having this conversation. We had a new pastor in the church and I don't know, some sort of religious education class. And I asked the question about my Jewish neighbor, just the sweetest lady, because I was really getting like, didn't come out and say, oh, she's going to hell because she's Jewish. But he basically did say that. (laughs) And I was like, I I don't know. Is that true? I don't, I don't really, I don't understand that. So yeah, it started from a questioning as I became a teenager and just grew from there. That's amazing and great that you did that. Totally cool that it happened so young. It's tricky to ask, I don't know, quote unquote, powerful people, difficult questions. (laughs) Oh, I asked them. I didn't always get that. I always got an answer. It seemed that wasn't really an answer to the question too, Mm. which annoyed me and (laughs) also just spurred that fire of wanting to know more connection to everything around me and the people around me and have it make more sense because it wasn't making sense. Not that it does for any teenager, mind you, but in that particular environment that I was in, it was particularly, uh, I was particularly driven to consistently ask questions. Wow. You had said something in our pre-talk about the mushroom cottage. Oh, 
Yeah. Would you um, mind chatting about that? Is that all right? Yeah. So like I said, you know, this was pre-internet days, pre, you know, being able to connect with people so remotely uh, and really the what I see as a rise in witchcraft over the past 10 years or so. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I don't want to call it necessarily mainstream, but it's way more accepted oh, than, than when I was coming up uh, as a, as a witchling. I had a friend who was like, Oh, you know, I got this book. And of course I couldn't have that book mm. because I lived in this very conservative Anyway, so she had this this book by Lois Bourne and I scribbled the, you know, publisher's address and everything like that. And I was like, well, I'm going to write her. I'm going to write her a letter. At the time I was living in Germany when I actually wrote the letter. So it was many years later and I came across this piece of paper and like my address book or whatever with this, you know, and said, which Lois Bourne. UK, right? So I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm right here in Germany. Maybe I can make a connection. And so I wrote her and she was so lovely and wrote me back and gave me ideas about where I could enhance my practice and, and resources and things like that, that I had never been exposed to before. So that was a huge kind of step up in my witchcraft practice at that point, just because she was so, yes, look at this and look at this and look at this and, you know, signed it, you know, Lois born in the mushroom cottage. And it's, it's just tucked away in the, you know, the memory papers. And I was, I was like, man, I should really get that out. But just trying to get our fall decorations out of the attic. Is a chore lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel that pain, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So that was, God, Oh, that was 19, 93, four, something like that. Wow. Oh, that's so wonderful. And I, I love it when people that we are looking up to and learning from actually reach back out. That's awesome. And are kind. And I think was probably the point that kind of like planted the seed for like wanting to be kind of that on the edge of the forest, which doing mm -hmm. all the the herbs and gardening and, you know, working with the energies of the planet. God, I would love to move to the edge of the forest. Oh, wait, you do live on the edge. Of it. It's almost a forest, isn't it? Where you we're, we're, we're working on it. I mean, this, the property that we're at here, Villa Westwick was really abused and neglected in various ways. And so we've just spent the last three years trying to heal this little plot and create abundance for um, ourselves and our family and our neighbors and our external community. And it's, uh, you know, I can look back and just telling you the story about contacting what was born, that that was probably where that seed was initially planted in her mushroom cottage. Like, I mean, just how magical is, is that sounds just on its own. Yeah, it does. I'm still, I'm just thinking about how I've, we've been trying to find a name for our house for a while. <laughs> and Mushroom Cottage is so cute and has inspired other ideas for me. I have a question about your animals. First of all, I haven't dug deep enough in your Instagram yet to know what all animals you raise, but what all animals do you raise? Because I saw duck eggs. Yes. So we have 
ducks and we have chickens and we have geese currently. Birds all around. Yes. Amazing. Mm -hmm. How are the geese? Because I've only ever had really unpleasant interactions with geese. How's that? They're like dogs. They really are. And if you work with them day in and day out, and I really try to let my livestock be as wild as they can be. I give them areas where there's trees and bramble and, you know, places where they can tuck in underneath away from predators and just feel at home, but they are very much, I mean, they, they are very food motivated, (laughs) but so they know who butters their bread, so to speak. Although they have a big pasture, we're actually getting ready to move all the pastures, which is a day's worth of work, (laughs) but, um, and get, and get ready basically for our blot, our dispatch season call the the herd and make it so it can survive the winter. Wow. wow. How how is that, Runa? Because I know you care deeply for them. So mm-hmm. and and if I may quote Runa from the other day, um, her animals only have one bad day in their life. The is philosophy the- of ethical farming. Every single day of that animal's life is perfect and beautiful and healthy and happy and supported. And they only have one bad day and it only lasts a second. How is that? How do you It's not easy. I mean, it, 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 we, you know, because the Viking and I are, are the witches that we are, we, you know, perform a gratitude ceremony before we do the dispatching and every part of the animal is used every single part. And it comes back into the land either via um, compost or, you know, dog food or uh, magical creations. I just finished doing a whole slew of chicken feet wards for a bunch of my, uh, witches who practice a lot the way I do and sent those off. So, I mean, everything comes back, you know, we make sure that nothing gets wasted and, and, most of the time, it's coming right back here in the land where they live their life. Oh, that's spiritually fulfilling, I bet. I mean, for all involved. I- it feels good. It, it does. It, it feels good. And I, one, of, one of my children is very much uh, curious about, about that because they feel like they could not do what, what my husband and I do. Uh, but I have found that it's just so like enjoying meal and it includes things that you raise, whether it's vegetables or meat is, it's, it's very spiritual and it feels, it just feels so much better all the way around, whether you're talking about health or, or the whole ethics around food. Yeah. The best meat we ever ate growing up was, uh, meet my sister raised. She was in the FFA and stuff. Bacon, I'm going to tell you, tastes better when you love that pig. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Are the, hopefully the next animal that we'll branch out on. We, um, we need to get some other infrastructure here at the, um, Covenstead. So, mm-hmm. but it's in, it's, down the road. It's in the plans down the road. And, and that's a whole other, you know, trying to make sure like 
having animals follow each other in pasture, which helps the earth and helps them and keeps down, you know, the the negative stuff that happens with monoculture or like feedlots and awful things like that. It's, it's incredible to watch that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. I do. I try my best. I'm the only vegetarian in the house. And when I say that, I don't just mean my lovely wife. I I have animals that there's no way in the world I would make them eat a vegetarian. They can't can't do it. So I try Mm -hmm. to do every time we get their big package of food, do a little gratitude ritual ceremony over it. But and I try my best ethically source where all of that's coming from the companies that say that they do really well. So yeah. I mean, so, we, we cool. have med, um, medicinal food uh, for our dogs. Uh, mm. That is a, like a third of their diet, but the rest of it is stuff from here. I mean, my one dog will go and dig up carrots in the garden if I'm not watching her close enough and eat the carrots. <laughs> I lost a whole kale crop to the dog. <laughs> But yeah, she loves, she loves being able to get chicken and rabbit and goose and all of that. Right on. What were you saying, Corey? I was just, I was just saying dogs are omnivores. You gotta watch out. They'll eat anything. Tis true. I love that you're bartering too with like your neighbors, because the more examples that we have not to get like, not to be that guy right now in this interview, but the the more examples we can get of why capitalism is not the best model, the oh. happier and better I I feel. Yeah, and, yeah let's I'm be honest. We're always those guys. It's okay. You're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> I'm those guys too. I think barter economy is so important for raising community. I am naturally way more introverted. And my husband is also an introvert. So we don't even have like a pairing where one of us can be the face (laughs) to the world, but bartering and being able to share our harvest. Like I'm just flooded with duck eggs right now. They're going through like this fall, like hurry up and make the babies thing. And so I've got nine ducks laying eggs every day. I cannot eat nine duck eggs every single day. Not with that attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Corey, Corey could teach you a thing or two. I'll come eat all your eggs. I love duck eggs. <laughs> I, oh, I love duck eggs too. And we eat eggs just about every day in one way, shape or form. But, um, you know, being able to share that abundance with my neighbors and barter with a larger community uh, in kind of our little hood here, the, the no man's land is been really nice because it's the only way I'm going to probably meet people. <laughs> Food is great. community. Food is community. And so I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, it is. I promise that we are going to get to Maban and the autumnal equinox or Maban, if you pronounce it that way. It's so it's pronounced so many ways. Runa and I had this chat a little bit because and how do you pronounce it, Runa? Maben. Maben. Mm-hmm. Maben. Maban and the other ones that I've already said. <laughs> The autumnal equinox. That's why I just, it's witches things. Yeah, it's witchy stuff. Oh, it's, well, yeah, oh yes. What did you say? What do you call it? Which is Thanksgiving. I love that. Can we just call it that? Yeah. Then we do. Yeah. We're going to get to that because I cannot wait to get to the blog post that you just made. I can't wait to post your blog. That will be on our link tree so that all of you out there listening can go find it. And you are going to want to find it. Before we do that, you, we have several actually patrons and listeners who are 
ex-military or active Mm. military right now among our listeners that have reached out to us before. I know that you were in the military. I actually don't know what branch or when or anything like that, but I know that you were a witch while you were in the military. How did you navigate that? Well, you could not put pagan on your dog tags when I first entered service. You could put undecided or non-specified. I have one pair of dog tags that says Roman Catholic because I thought, well, if something happens to me, they'll get sort of close. (laughs) Um, But now, and I like to think that the soldiers, part of my generation, if you will, those of us who came in the service under Clinton initially, well, it was Bush first and then Clinton, that we helped to push things forward from, you know, saying don't ask, don't tell was not appropriate. Fight. There were so many gender norms in the military that uh, we fought against, but also, you know, there was religious bias that I think has been overturned to a degree. I find a lot of people who are way more conservative in their beliefs and definitely Christian who are uncomfortable uh, serving with somebody like me. And so I would just keep it quiet. You, you see them coming. So, you know, just yeah. be quiet because you've got a, a mission to do and mission comes first. You can't let stuff like that get in the way, but you know, most of my fellow soldiers loved doing different celebration times with me. Cause I, even in the barracks, I was cooking. I, I got the opportunity to serve in Europe and there's just so much more embrace and paganism is way more embraced. Calling yourself a witch doesn't phase anybody, at least from my experience. So it's doesn't, didn't really change for me how I navigated through the military community as a witch, as how I do, you know, navigating in the wider world as a witch. Um, But I did find there was a good population that was just like me and we found each other like you always will and fighting to get things like pagan or Banu or what have you on your dog tags. But that was, that was a big win, not just for witches and pagans, but so many others in, in the service. I think it's huge and it's awesome. And I I've talked to one of our patrons that I'm making a wand for that, uh, when I found out she'd been in the military, she was like, yeah, yeah, with my husband, he's not, but, but, and I was like, wow, wow. And she goes, yeah, it was fine. It was like, wouldn't have been in my time. I remember that. Yeah, no, I was, I, there was a very small um, group of female soldiers uh, when I first entered the service who were married Mm. and, and their spouse was not in the military. You see a lot of dual military couples, mm-hmm. but um, having the service member be the woman and and the the dependent <laughs> be, they, they don't call them that anymore. They just call them family members, yeah. which is great. Very way more inclusive. And and the language had to change for yeah. you know a variety of reasons. But having a large influx of women, especially once. Uh, they went to an all volunteer force required that the military yep evolve. <laughs> yeah. Well, still you- have blaze to go, you know, but oh yeah. And you were saying earlier about 
you weren't sure how mainstream witchcraft was. Corey, I don't know if you saw this the other day. I think I might have sent it to you. There's a column in Forbes magazine, Hmm. Forbes, about how to use astrology and tarot to help your business. And it is now a column. And they have somebody who is a regular contributor in Forbes magazine, y'all. If that's not mainstream, I guess we have to maybe hit the Wall Street Journal to be completely, but uh, or Fox News. Uh, I got to say, I'm kind of grateful for that, even though I think that that's an unusual choice for Forbes. I'm grateful for that because we are also entering like a new wave of satanic panic. Mm -hmm. We are. Um, So like the louder the opposition to that bullshit can be, the, the better. I have to say I'd be worried if we showed up on Fox News. <laughs> I'd be terrified. That'd be terrifying <laughs> because it would be on the side of the satanic panic. And, <laughs> and, and I was a wee babby the last time that happened in the 70s and 80s. I was born in 1988, so I didn't I missed that one. And I don't want to be around when there's another one. I'm good, actually. <laughs> Not fun. Not fun at all. Yeah. Runa, I love that your name is Runa. <laughs> And one of the first things I noticed after I met you when I went to your Instagram page was your rune readings. And oh, my goodness, your tigers. I I want one. (laughs) I I bought that from a local vendor here in Bellingham. So there's a couple of witchy shops uh, down on Cornwall Street. Oh, yeah. Cornwall. What, Corey? Take a trip. I took a trip during the uh, pandemic because our local witchy shops didn't have stuff that I needed, but the one on Cornwall did. <laughs> and, and so it was very, very nice. I love Bellingham witch shop. Same. We should, Corey. Let's we do should. it. And then we can say hi to Bruna. We can visit Bruna. There yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I know hardly anything about runes except what I'm learning from you. <laughs> I mean, I've seen them. I've played with the sigils and, you know, done all of that. I didn't really start understanding them until you started writing your interpretations. You're such an amazing storyteller and you also happen to be intuitive. And I swear to God, every single day, I feel like it's a personal reading. I really do. And it's just like, oh, wow. But Corey, you've been starting to get into it, right? Do you, I, you probably have questions that I'm I learning about runes the way I learn about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. which is in fits and starts when I'm able to focus. Got it. (laughs) Which these days is not a lot of the time, but I have a really beautiful set that I love very much that I sometimes use in conjunction with the matching set of gaming dice that I have. So I have some blue sandstone, blue sunstone, the sparkly, sparkly boys. I got a set of runes that are made of those that I use sometimes with the same stone of dice that I have. Um, It's I'm very much definitely still like, okay, what is this one? (laughs) I have to look it up in my little booklet and Mm -hmm. see what it means. Um, And I guess my my main question is. Do you feel like you have to have a deep connection to like Norse lore and mythology and history to appreciate the runes or to understand like what they mean on a deeper level. Cause I don't read elder Futhark turns out. I don't know a ton about it except that Odin gave his eye for it or whatever. Yes. 
Uh, there's lots of wonderful lore and stories about it, but to your question about the connection to the runes, um, do you have to have a connection to the Norse mythology? I don't think, no, to use the runes. I mean, they're a divination tool, uh, just like the tarot, tarot, however you say it, or scrying or the Ouija board, you know, whatever you do. However, I think that understanding the mythology helps you have a better connection to the runes and the messages that can come through to understand that Tier represents the sky god and all of that energy that comes with the story about Tier and his, the fact that he was as strong as Thor, but he was way smarter. And he understood that there was going to have to be a sacrifice in order to save his brothers, as it would be from Finier. So understanding kind of those stories and the energies around it, I think are, are very helpful when you're using runes to um, do intuitive readings. So it might be worth it to like, when you're playing with them, this is for uh, listeners and for myself, it might be worth it while you're learning how to use them to sort of journal as you go. And when you flip one to look up the the deity or person behind it absolutely get a little context especially because the runes are divided into residence with freya and hemdal and tier those they they're kind of divided in like energies and i actually have been journaling too i agree that it helps you um because there's there's more than what has been written about them, at least that I've been able to find. I mean, uh, as far as the runes go, uh, you know, there's, you know, each rune, I think, has a lot of different elemental energy uh, than necessarily uh, the residencies in which they're in. And so I've actually been journaling lately about, you know, the fact that I feel like, you know, Tier has a lot of water energy as well as air energy and, and, and working through that. And I think that has really helped uh, my room casting evolve to another level and has just been something that's been added value to everything that I was trying to do with it, whether it was for someone else or myself. Okay. Awesome. So I'm feeling like a even if you don't work with these deities, it's awesome to know the context of their stories with the meanings of the runes. And, and through my journey, like initially I was, I was very, I've been very, very secular until just recently with my witchcraft practice. It's all been surrounded about around kind of earth magic and it's only been lately where the stories of uh, the deities, especially like Freya and Scotty and Nord, I mean, I think it's more about connecting in a way that's meaningful, right? It's like you understand that she's the goddess, Freya is the goddess of love and beauty and sexuality, fertility, and the runes that are associated with her. You have to add that element over anything else, the other energy that those runes hold or what they stand for. There's so much Germanic tribal ancestry in my background. And that's one of the reasons why I got involved with it and understanding that mythology and what my ancestors were, their belief system was, has also uh, lent itself to my practice with the runes. 
Awesome. Thank you. That was super helpful. I appreciate it. And that's just given me like five other things that I wrote down to look up (laughs) and investigate more. I have to say, though, I am a fan of Freya. And that came, that's only been the last couple of years that I've been learning about her. Boy. She's quite the badass. Yeah, she is. I mean, for myself, when I look back at my own kind of progression through this this life as a human being and, you know, the maiden and the warrior and the mother and Ellie is the goddess of wisdom and old age in the Norse mythology. But a lot of people say that Ellie is actually a renamed crone Freya. Oh, and she wow. actually uh, wrestled Thor and won because she cheated. <laughs> Someone had to take him down. Also, can I just say, I'm like so ready to enter my crone era. Like, I'm just like so ready for that. You're a ways away. I think in my spirit, I am there. (laughs) I I know. I did my crone uh, crowning at uh, 53, but I had been menopausal for several years at that point. Uh, And it, uh, uh, it was great. It, it allowed me to embrace this thing that's called aging and I'm here to tell you and your listeners that it's not for sissies <laughs> as problematic as that word is, but there, this culture does not talk about aging and it doesn't talk about, you know, being a crone and unless you come into the mystical and the occult community and then they are like this shit rocks. Yeah. I and love, it does. I love, I'm, I feel like I see a lot of, there's a totally split vibe of like people my age are either lamenting the fact that time is passing and they're like, Oh God, I'm so old. Or they are firmly in the same camp as me, which is like, yes, we're getting old. <laughs> it's awesome. Every year is awesomer than the year before because we're getting older. I only had one little freak out when I turned 28 and it lasted like a minute and a half. I was like, oh my God, I'm 28. What am I doing with my life? Oh, I'm living it. That's fine. Okay, moving on. I turned 35 in January, which is like very exciting to me. I don't know why. I'm, I think I'm just trying to like manifest a good year because odd numbers are not my friend. And so I just, every odd numbered year of my life has been kind of rough. And so I'm just like, I'm making it happen just by believing it's going to happen. But I'm very excited for 35 and getting older. And I don't know what. 35 was a pivotal year for me. I, I, I have, it was my birthday specifically was difficult. Um, But that part of that is cultural. We get ourselves all wrapped around the axle about this. This is the way it should be at 35 years old. Well, your should is different than anybody else's should and they can just should it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Should off, man. (laughs) My Canadians coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm real excited. I don't know what getting crowned as a crone is, but I'm looking forward to that. You mentioned your crowning. Oh, yes. And because I'm a solitary, I did it myself. I spent a whole week long ritual basically saying goodbye to all of the all of the troubles that built me up to this, you know, quote unquote, wise, wise one. Uh, And I 
and, and it was really bizarre when I went through that whole ritual and it, at the very end, there's this, you know, a crowning and, you know, you talk to the spirit of the spider, which is associated with the crone and all of that. And, and I recorded it on Instagram, but it's long, long gone off the rolls. Cause it was three years ago now. When I started it, I was like, oh, there's things I don't really want to say goodbye to because they helped create who I am. And at the end of it, you're like, well, yeah, that's the whole point of it, dummy. (laughs) (laughs) You you reflect back way more forgiving and compassionately with young Runa, mother Runa, and you see all of the things that came forth that ritual was super, super powerful for me. Uh, And, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, it was October of 2020 when I did it. It was insane to do that so publicly and yet so privately, but it was very powerful. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. I have a ways to go, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm finally doing mine this year with my Saturn return. Nice. Yeah, because I... I unnaturally had to go through menopause when I was, when I was 35. Hey, actually. Yeah. TMI, everybody. I'm trying to get those old tubes tied up this year. Yeah. So yeah. I lock that up. Okay. Well, I'll be interested to hear back from you how that goes then. I may have to reach out to you. And as I, I have some ideas, I have a friend who did it. And she did a whole rebirthing process. Oh, like wow. Created oh. This, uh, she created this tunnel that she had to crawl through, the, like it was the womb, yeah. and be stuff and, and came through and had to peel it off of her and then into a bath, into a warm bath afterward to be reborn and new again in the world as her new role is crone. And I, I, I've always liked that story. <laughs> Well, if That's you need awesome. somebody to put a pretty crown on your head, thank you. Just let me know. All right, you all. What I've been waiting for. The autumnal equinox. Uh, more than that, oh. Runa recipes. Runa recipes. Except first, we have a couple specific questions for you, Runa, about your experience with what many witches call Mabin and the autumnal equinox and this wonderful cosmic event. Runa, do you remember one of the first ways that you celebrated Mabin and has it changed over the years or has it pretty much stayed the same for you? Oh, it's definitely changed over the years. And I do remember probably the first time that I intentionally celebrated it. So I was a young 20 something living in Oahu, Hawaii. I love that place. (laughs) And growing up in the Midwest and then moving to a tropical isle oh my uh, God. was a huge culture shock. It was delightful, of course. I remember getting off the plane when I was first going there and the smell of the plumeria just hits you as you get off the aircraft. Oh, yeah. And I was wanting that seasonal change and it comes mm. Um, I ended up living in Hawaii for almost five years and you do see the change of the seasons once you've been there and kind of climatized, but it wasn't the same as it was in the Midwest or even as it is here in the Pacific Northwest where I live now. 
And I remember sitting on the beach and kind of just doing like this walk and picking up things to make like this mini altar. And like, there was a shell and a stone and a stick. And I had a, you know, I made myself a little fire on the beach and just sat there and meditated about like, cause there was, it was a time of big upheaval and change in my life. I was not married for very long and I was there seeking divorce. And so it was, I, that's why I remember it because it was such an, time of upheaval for me, you know, the wider, wider world was in front of me and things were changing personally for me. And physically I was changing because I was really coming into being, you know, a woman for real at that point. So yeah, I remember it and it was pretty powerful. And like, I just kind of like sat there on the earth barefoot and just this simple dress uh, on the beach alone at sunset. Cause there's lots of places in Hawaii, at least at that time of year, you know, the early, early nineties, uh, was it the late eighties? I don't even remember. God, I'm so old now. <laughs> Anyhow, no, you're not. <laughs> it was pretty, it was very powerful and kind of connected me to that space and that time in the land. And, um, so I do remember it, but it's way different now. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet because the seasons and the food and the culture and everything are so different there. And that's the whole point is to, you know, celebrate the land and its next harvest and us moving forward and transforming. So, oh, wow, Runa, that's amazing. I just also have to say I married young first to a, a, a guy. I'm a lesbian. I know, shock. <laughs> it's different becoming a woman when you realize, oh, now I'm a woman and being married. Mm -hmm. So that's, thanks for sharing that. That's really insightful. So you walk, am I correct in thinking that you walk the Norse path, that that's your, I, other than kitchen witchery, which I know, and I, and I kind of hate labels. I don't know if you grew up in the time where we were all trying to get away from labels. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I, I think I right. blogged about that recently about Did you? the fact that we, um, I, I mean, it's maybe several months back, but I made the statement of, we really hate labels and we, you know, especially in the witch community, we don't <sighs> like that, but you know what? It's helpful sometimes, yeah. but we don't yeah. have to let it be everything that we are. And, right. and Norse paganism is, is I wouldn't call myself a Norse pagan necessarily. First of all, I am way more uh, connected to the Vanir as opposed to the Astru, uh, Asir. Uh, or okay. AKA, I'm gonna uh, yes, I know. It's, it's very complicated. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to define those. Would you mind? Uh, in Norse paganism, uh, the gods come from different areas. So there's nine realms in the mythology, I feel more connected to one of the branches of Yggdrasil, the, the tree of life that is in Norse paganism, and it holds the nine realms in its, in its branches. And so I'm connected more to 
the gods that fall within one of the other branches where most people know like the Astro, right? So Thor and Odin and everything like that. Well, Freya comes from a different area and, and Skadi comes from a different branch. She's a giantess and that. And so, and it's only been lately that my heathenry has emerged because I was always very, very secular, witch. when my children were leaving the nest, I felt more called to deities at that time. And in particular, the Norse god of Njord, which is the god of the sea, and uh, Skadi, which is the goddess of winter and the hunt. And of course, Freya, which is, you know, beauty and love. They, They called to me. And so all of that has been coming through in my practice. Now, the runes have been a part of my practice for decades because I didn't initially feel a connection with tarot or other divination tools mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back in the day, but the runes spoke to me and it's probably because of my ancestry. I have a huge Germanic tribal Scandahuvian branch of my ancestry and the runes have was a language from, for them a way to communicate everything from hunting grounds to property lines and, and so forth. And then it, you know, of course the, the vulvas and the seers, uh, the mystical people in the Norse communities use them for divination. That's just amazing. And, and so that obviously probably has changed. Has that changed? Well, I shouldn't say obviously, has that changed the way you approach this particular fire festival or did it just deepen it and expand it? I think it deepened it and expanded it, especially as I've moved from, you know, being an inner city in Detroit child to living on a coven stud, you know, and, and, and that progression has been slow throughout the years. I mean, the last bit of property we had was, you know, just barely a quarter acre, but man, I made that work. And now we've got a little bit more room to expand. And so I'm able to practice some of the things that my Norse and Germanic ancestors would have like the block coming up, which is a season where the animals are called or there's a sacrifice given. And I mean, that's what blot means. The blot is blood, it's sacrifice. And um, so those parallels are becoming more and more integrated in my life. I also love what you said earlier when we were talking about doing that is that you said, you said that we do that to help the whole right and i think and for me for me i was like oh that that feels less lottery and more comforting mm-hmm. uh very of course you cannot sustain everybody every animal that you have and so to make the lives of fabulous and as rich as you do on the farm or the covenstead, then yeah, you have to, you have to call. Thanks for sharing all that because this is a, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's completely resolved for me, but but it definitely helps. And it's giving me a lot of comfort learning from you uh, on Instagram and on our conversations and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a seasonal witch and, and, yeah. and preparing yeah. for winter. If you, if you look back at what our ancestors had to do in order to survive the winter, like right. it's, it's amazing to me, like 
you know, they may have had, there's so much drama in, in our ancestral lives uh, because just surviving was such a challenge and not that it isn't now it's very, very different, but being able to look at it in that seasonal perspective and say, damn. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons I really wanted you for this particular episode. So connected to the land and this next transformation and, and such a kitchen, witch. I cannot wait for people to go read your blog post that also has this beautiful story at the beginning, but also those great recipes. So thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know for a fact, but I suspect highly that Runa is an amazing cook because her recipes are freaking amazing. And that's part of how I uh, have gotten to know her is through recipes and witchy recipes and celebrations. I am going to, like I said, you will be able to find this blog post link in our link tree, and it'll take you to Runa Troy, Magical Services and Good. And the first blog post that's there is Planning Your Witches Thanksgiving, which I just love. And you talk a lot about, um, okay, I'm going to try to say it the way, Mabin or the Autumnal Equinox. Did I say it right? Okay. And she has this great blog post with all this amazing information about how she got there. And she talks a teeny bit about Villa Westwick, which is where you live and what they're creating out there. And then we get to the recipe list for the meal of the night. It's grilled sunflower. Oh, you know what, Corey, I'm going to have you say this because I don't say this. Grilled sunflower with chimichurri. Thank you. And welcome autumnal punch. We can go back and forth if you want. Corey. I don't have it up. I just knew oh, you don't. tried to pronounce oh. the word chimichurri. Right. <laughs> and I was like, she's trying to pronounce the word chimichurri right now. I was. I was. It's true. It. I'm just going to leave all this in. You can say cilantro sauce if you prefer. <laughs> uh, my cilantro didn't make. Oh, my gosh. We have to talk about time before you go away. Anyway, uh, time the herb. Time. Uh, cream of wild mushroom soup. Oh, for salad. I know. Right. Right. Uh, grilled sablefish collars with garlic confit. Elote, it's a Mexican corn dish. It's yeah. one of the best foods on the planet. I had one last night at the fair. Yeah. And I smiled really pretty at the person making it. And I was like, really get it in that cheese. And they were like, I got you. And it was is, delicious. Is this like Mexican, a uh, Mexican street corn? Yes. <gasps> it's not just like Mexican street corn. That's it what is. it is. It is. That is it my is. favorite Mexican dish, and I missed it again this year at Matador. I cannot believe it because they make the best. There's so, a truck except, by my house that has. Are you it. serious? All the time. I'm gonna. There's, go to- yeah, the, there's a food truck down in Bellingham. Same thing. I bet. I was told me. that unless I put the stick in the corn, it wasn't street corn. So that's why it's just called <laughs> elote. Elote corn on the cob. Uh-huh. Herb buttered grilled winter squash rings and wait for it to top it all off. I cannot tell you how excited my wife was for this one. Chocolate zucchini bread mm. with whipped cream and brandied cherry sauce. Yum. Okay. And then there's a whole ritual that you wrote after that and and pictures of your gorgeous bonfire. Are you doing you're doing this, right? Mm-hmm. On, on Saturday. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so close. It's so Can close. Can I use some of them for regular Thanksgiving? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I, you know, 
our Thanksgiving here in the United States is so problematic Mm -hmm. and raising the rebels that I did. They don't even like celebrating it. I mean, they love the food, but Mm -hmm. they love being able to break from tradition. Like last year, our family gathering was solstice. It wasn't Christmas. It was solstice. So, you know, bringing up the pagans. No. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you could, most of these, like definitely winter squash and if you harvest mushrooms in the fall or you go uh, foraging and then you dehydrate them, you can rehydrate them for November. It totally works. It totally yeah. works. Now grilled sunflower head. Um, we may not get that on Saturday. I'm like watching my sunflower heads going, hang on, baby, just slow down a little bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> because you can't, they can't start turning black. The seeds right. can't start because then it, it doesn't work. I just talked to Gutter Bruja yesterday, Corey. Yeah. Uh, yeah Gutter Bruja was our very first guest yeah. and they are down in Portland and there's aren't, those are, they're just barely starting to ripen and they usually do it like a month ago. Uh, yeah, everything's late this year, and yet yeah. the season is still ending. And my tomatoes, my little cherry tomatoes, were so tiny. Just like little small baby tomatoes. Just like the littlest oh, tomatoes I've ever wow. seen. They were delicious, but they were very small. Yeah, it, it's really great to grow produce uh, and, and just live by the seasons the way that I do because you do begin to see how things can be cyclic, how one year you could have a boomer crop of raspberries. And then like this past year, it was okay. It wasn't great, but you know, we got enough. Um, and how like I'm having a boon of eggplant this year. Meanwhile, my friend on the East coast is all concerned about why are my eggplants so small and tiny? Uh, it's, wow. it, it just makes you just feel like all the everyday magic when you're just so living so close to those, those seasons and, yeah. and taking a step, a step back and recognizing it and just kind of being in the moment of, wow, the sun is rising over there now, instead of over there. It's so mm-hmm. amazing. You know, those kinds of things, it, it really brings you a perspective, calms you down, grounds you and allows you to live a more powerful existence. I don't know about you all, but I had the very, very acute feeling two days ago of the sun going down sooner. Like normally I feel it much more gradually, but about two days ago, I was like very, very acutely aware of the fact that it was getting twilighty way earlier, which like I love. I love that. It was really loud, if that makes sense. Oh, it does make sense. It does make sense. I mean, because I am up with the dawn and down with the dusk, uh, the seasonal change as far as how much daylight we have or how much nighttime we have, you know, my poor animals right now, they're like, I don't want to go to bed. But, you know, meanwhile, there's a barred owl, you know, in the tree watching, just waiting for somebody to be dumb. So. For somebody to straggle. <laughs> yeah. And, and you have small puppies. Mm-hmm. I do. They're uh, 13 pounds and, and seven pounds soaking wet. So, so delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have new chickens in our neighborhood. And actually, one of them is a rooster, which is illegal in Seattle. Just that FYI. is obnoxious. Uh, it's, Tammy's about ready to 
because she's about to start rehearsal. But anyway, there's a, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. So she needs to sleep. This thing starts going off at 4 30 in the morning. Last night we were driving by their three houses up from us and on the fence across the alley from them, huge, gigantic, gorgeous hawk. <laughs> and I was just like, come on, okay, rooster, get stupid. Yeah, this is bad <laughs> for our cats who like to go out on the catio and sit as high as they possibly can where they could, you know, swoop down. But it was beautiful. <laughs> and, but same thing. I was like, oh, we're in trouble. We're going to have to stay out there with the cats all the time. Well, I just talk to the owl and I tell her, I'm happy that you're here. And that field is full of supper over there. Please don't eat my dog. You don't, you don't like dog and you don't like chicken and you don't like duck and you don't like, I definitely don't like geese because the geese would probably hurt the owl. Honestly, (laughs) so far we've, we have a truce and I don't chase her off. I just make sure the livestock are secured at, at, uh, by dusk. Because the geese are, are are total night blind. So if I don't get them right as sun, as, at sunset, but the point is, I, I see it too. Like it's, it's a very interesting way to live. Yeah. You are living the dream, Runa. Really, truly. Uh, I feel blessed every day. I really do. <laughs> I do. And I, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's like, how do I, how do I take this abundance and this blessing and give back. And I'm, I'm working through that right now as we established ourselves in this brand new community during a pandemic. Hmm. So nobody was like, Hey, new neighbor, how are you? You know, <laughs> you moved during the pandemic. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we had been traveling. I, uh, we had sold our house in uh, King County and uh, we were living half time on our sailboat and half time in our RV and traveling all over the place via those two things. And the pandemic hit and we were supposed to go to Canada and head towards the inside passage of Alaska. And they just shut down everything. And initially we were like, we're just going to tuck in here. And I just fell in love with this place and, and said, I have a new calling. I need to heal this land right here. And in that healing, I, I began to heal myself too, because when you're a busy working mother, you don't have time to think about your own trauma that this path has also allowed me a a lot of um, self healing and growth too. Awesome. That's awesome. If you had to pick a favorite recipe that you included in this blog post, what would it be? Hmm. Wow. Uh, I would probably have to say the wild mushroom soup. I could live on soup. Me too. I could live on soup. So I love mushroom soup so much. I just had a mushroom spinach thing. Anyway, I could talk about food all day. And (laughs) well, that same. Yeah. Yeah. So I may have to do that as one of the sparks. And lastly, do you have anything coming up or services that you offer or any projects that you're working on that you're able to talk about or hint about? Well, uh, first off, if everybody likes the Maybin kind of kitchen witchery and earth witchery that I offer, I call it mid gardening witchery, which is uh, if anybody is interested in why I got to that, it's there's a big post on it on my on my site, roomandtroy.com. But I'm going to be doing the same thing for Samhain. And the response so far to the Maybin post has been so great. 
that I recognize it was a lot to digest in just one. So it's going to start, I'm going to start dropping them, you know, one a week before leading up to Samhain. So you can get the ritual in one and you can get the food stuff in another and like the cottage decor stuff. I've got all my fall stuff out that I'm trying to get ready for so that it's all ready for, for Maven. And and then it will be here for Samhain as well. The cottage decor. You're going to. Here's the thing, y'all. If you go to her Instagram, for one thing, you've heard Corey, if you listen to the podcast before this, you have heard Corey and I talk about, oh, the mountains out and how fun it is when the mountains out. Runa has the most spectacular view of the mountain when it's out and has posted several gorgeous pictures at sunset, mostly sunset, none in the morning, right? No, there's been some, there's been some, yeah, in the, in the spring, I mean, the sun's coming up at almost 4 a.m. here, uh, pretty much over Komal Kushan, AKA Mount Baker. So my mountain Mm -hmm. is different than your mountain, so to speak, but oh yeah. uh, but oh uh, yeah, um, and that that area of our property, we are beginning to develop as a um, what we're calling the Mountain View Lounge, yeah. and it will be the brew house for my Viking, where he can make his ciders and his beers. And uh, we were talking about um, distilling absinthe, yeah. And so we're to have that space where he can do all his brewing, and it will be left alone and unmolested, and then have a tasting area where you can look at the mountain and um, an outdoor pizza oven so we can nice. make sourdough pizzas and yeah, just hang out with our, our kindred. I swear to God, I'm moving in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Corey's a huge absinthe fan. She had an absinthe themed well, birthday party last I year. I don't know if I'm a huge absinthe fan. Okay. I enjoy absinthe. It did make its way back out on my birthday. Uh <laughs> I enjoy the ritual of absinthe. I think it's tasty. I'm fascinated by the idea of distilling it. I think that's super neat. So those those are the things that are coming up for me along with, I've been working on a secret project for uh, about a year and a half now, almost two years, Lord. Um, And uh, I'm querying folks uh, with it right now. And I've got my fingers crossed for good news soon. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for whatever the project is to get my hands on it. There you go. It will, it will make you very, very happy. I think that uh... (laughs) (laughs) I'm thrilled. And Runa's going to do a Patreon after Mercury retrograde is over. Yes. Yes. Thank uh, you for reminding me because I I am a busy little witch right now. You are. I am. And like you said, up at sunrise, not done till dusk that's and in the past past, yeah you all in summer that's a long day that's a really long long day day. Mm -hmm. from may to august um the days are very long and it's wonderful because we can get so much done Mm -hmm. but by the time autumn equinox comes i'm i'm ready to not be going that long it it Mm -hmm. gets rough and i need indoor time too i need time to like play with my runes and do my dream interpretations and, and deepen my practice, you know, however that looks for me at that time. And I look forward to that. I have been witness to one of Runa's dream interpretations, which I need to come and do some with you, my next big dream. And they're really good. And you can 
buy them from you on Etsy. You can get a reading for your dream. And you can also get a rune reading from you on your Etsy shop, which is in your link tree. And it'll be on our on our Instagram the day this goes out, which is this, we're going to put it out this Wednesday, obviously, because- Maybe. The bond's coming. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and if you feel like we didn't talk enough about celebration and stuff like that, we have three- Count them. Yes. Three other episodes where we talk about color correspondences and your altar and all that good stuff. So please go back and check those out. We wanted to introduce you to somebody else and about how how they do it. And this post came out and I was like, oh, oh, I hope we can get her in time <laughs> because because you need to go and read it. Y'all need to get to know Runa and then go and read this and try her recipes. I think I'm going to be cooking every single one of them, except maybe the sable fish. Tammy might try to cook that though. I don't think I've ever cooked sable fish. I've cooked salmon. Salmon collars are, are a good substitute if you don't have access to sable fish. And sable fish is just Pacific black cod. Oh, it's it is? A, yeah. Sable fish yeah. is Pacific black cod, AKA butterfish. They're all the same, same fish. Wow. Wow. Well, Anything else that we've missed? No, you guys, your questions are so tough. <laughs> well, no, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, how my witch origin story? What? What? Oh, and, and my husband heard me like mumbling to myself and he's like, your origin story? Are you a superhero that I don't know about? <laughs> yes. I'm like, I am. I'm super witch. All of our guests are superheroes and super witches. That's so, that's so cool. I, you guys really bless me with, with this. I appreciate it so much. It's so nice to, to have somebody excited about what I'm doing besides myself. <laughs> it is so amazing to be in your presence. I mean it. it really oh, feels, you were so kind. So and it's lucky. been so good to meet you, Corey. I really listened nice to the to podcast and then I was like, I love her little sass. <laughs> oh. Thank God for her sass. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, my uh, oldest daughter is 30. She's turning 35 in March. Nice. She just turned 35. Listening to you on the podcast, I told Dada, I was like, she sounds like one of my daughters, especially my oldest, like so Seattle, just so Seattle. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) Well, well it, I'll take that as the a compliment of the highest order. Absolutely. Well, it has been a joy having you on. Thank you so much. And please come back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, hopefully. Yeah. 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 Negotiations are happening, but I can't say anything yet. So that's so totally fine. <laughs> and even if I mean, I know that's gonna happen. I have every but we'll have you back no matter what. Yeah. Just FYI. For any right. reason, you just name it. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Isn't she just a goddess? She's great. I so love her. I'm I just love love her to death. So our sparks, everyone, yes. is obviously Runa, Runa, and Runa. Uh-huh. We kind of already did them, but uh let me read a couple more of the blog. She's got a one on naturally getting rid of spiders, one of my favorite ways. And it it doesn't kill them. It detours them and it works. And the other thing that I will tell you is that if you put in the password, uh, once you read the bo- blog post, it opens up all of the recipes. And uh, oh my gosh, I'm the, the only one that's short enough for me really to read is the corn on the cob. These are all amazing. I would love to learn more about the spider thing. So I'm going to be looking that up. Yeah, you should. Just FYI. And she does a great content warning. There are pictures of the spider. Yeah. Okay, 
Recipe time. Mexican street corn. This way of preparing corn on the cob takes it to celebrity levels. I'm sure it does. And belong and belongs on the witch's Thanksgiving table. I cook mine in an air fryer because it's oh so easy with speedy cleanup. If you don't have access to Kutoyi, Cotilla cheese. Did I say it right, Corey? Cotilla cheese, yeah. Cotilla cheese. Parmesan works in a pinch. It does. I'm sure it's fine. It's fine. Cotilla is my favorite. Cotilla. There you go. Cotilla is my favorite cheese. It's very good. I love it. It's very good. And uh, she has an air fryer, tongs, equipment, medium bowl, basting brush. The ingredients are four corn on the cob or, you know, 20. That's fine. One teaspoon of chili powder, one third cup sour cream, one fourth cup cilantro chopped finely, a fourth of a teaspoon of kosher salt, a fourth of a teaspoon of freshly ground pepper, two tablespoons of melted butter, and a half a cup of cotija. Did I say it right again? Cotija cheese. Cotija cheese. Lemon slices for serving. And then there are the instructions on how to cook it. I would also say the more times you cook elote, uh, the more comfortable you will be measuring those spices with your heart. Yeah. Because one teaspoon of chili powder does not sound like enough to me. (laughs) But it could be for baby mouths that don't like spice, which is me usually. You can also, fun fact... In wintertime, when fresh corn is not an option, if -hmm. you can or like the the verb, if you do canning or if you buy like cans of sweet corn, you can make elote anytime. Do you know how much you can eat if it's not on the cob? So much. Oh, my God. I'm like, holy crap. I oh, this is bad. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us and have a great autumnal equinox or Mabin or Mabon. And uh, so until Until next time, be well, act with intention, and don't forget, you are magic. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you are so inclined, follow us on our socials, which is Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Bonfire Babble Podcast. You can also follow us or join us on Patreon at Bonfire Babble Witches on Patreon and our website at bonfirebabble.com. If you're into snail mail, you can send us that at P.O. Box 16341, Seattle, Washington, 98116. And if you want to do that electronic thing, we're at bonfirebabblepodcast at gmail.com. Please also, if you have a moment, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps us out. It also helps other people find us. Yeah, and if you do it on Apple where you can actually write something, we will shout you out your name. Thank you again for listening. Bonfire Babble Podcast recognizes that we live and record on the traditional lands of the Duwamish tribe. We honor their past and present stewardship of the beautiful land and the life-giving energy they provide. To learn more about the tribe, go to realrentduwamish.org.